1: Church, we gather to worship the Lord and we're glad you're here this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but those words sit in a different place um, this morning and given the days that we were walking through. Um, to read, fear not, I am with thee, oh be not dismayed. And to sing, that soul though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, I'll never forsake. Um, it's good to be together and to join our voices and to be with one another. We're glad you're here. It's a special morning, um, not just that we come each week and gather in worship, but this week we had C Camp, and what you see up here is the kids that, many of the kids, not all of them, but many of the kids that were involved in our camp. It was, it's an arts camp that happens every year. Um, and so they learn new skills, but they sing and learn about Jesus too. So it's like a VBS and music art camp all mixed up into one. And they had a great time. And they get to just share this morning some of their gifts. And we hope you're blessed by that and encouraged as we worship together. So let's continue our worship and sing and declare our faith in what we believe. Sing these words in this time. In this time of desperation, when all we know is doubt and
0: fear,
1: there is only
0: one salvation. We believe. We believe. In this broken generation. Lord, you help us see. There is only one salvation. We believe. We believe. Let's declare what we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and He's given us new life. We believe in that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection and He's coming back again.
1: show our appreciation thank you guys thank you for leading us in worship it's so good to have you here we're just blessed and it's awesome so we thank you church we want to take uh, just a moment to greet one another and so would you stand say hello to the people around you
2: Good to have uh, you kids with us this morning. Thanks for leading us. Hi, Emma. <laughs> Got a little stink face there. Brothers and sisters, uh, there is one God in whom we trust about which the children sing and about which they've learned this week in C-Camp. And this morning, I want to lead us in a time of prayer. Uh, because the kids are here, I don't want to go into great detail, but uh, this has been a rough week. In Turkey, hundreds of lives. In Nice, France, hundreds of lives. uh, Injured and taken. This morning in Baton Rouge, two police officers, maybe three, what's going on? The Lord knows and the Lord is good. The children have led us this morning in singing to a God in whom we trust. Now it's your turn. I'm gonna ask us to pull out the kneelers. We'll do something that I don't know if we've done here before. But I'd like us to engage in what's called one voice prayer. Usually it's a pastor who leads us in a prayer time like this. But I believe that the Lord desires to hear each of your voices. I will read a psalm. And then I will invite you to pray aloud, each one of you. If you're here with your children, pray with them and not to them. We'll spend some time in prayer and when the prayers subside, I will close us. Hear the word of the Lord. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Brothers and sisters, would you pray? Let's pray together. Lord, some of us don't even know what to pray. But your spirit knows. And so now, God, hear our cries to you. God, we pray because you taught us to. We pray for people in pain, because they are your children. Your word tells us that blood cries out because each of us is made in your image. And so we pray. We pray because you taught us. And we rely on you, God. We trust in you to answer because you've heard us. God, hear the cries of your people who live in a world full of pain. And we know, God, that it's not just out there around the world. We know that it's also right here in this congregation. Lord, this morning, if there are any hearts who need you this morning, who hurt, if there are any silent private tears, come to us. God, come to us this morning, for we need you. If there are any families living in fear, come to us. God, lift our heads as you promised your people. Be with us, minister to us, even as we pray. We ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Please return to your seats. It was last year, and uh, we have an opportunity to participate in Wow Jam this year, and to help us get to know that a little bit better, I want to introduce one of our college students. This is Jensen Hutto.
3: Jensen, what are you doing this summer? Good morning. Uh, I am currently the intern with Community Outreach under Myra Nolan. So we've got this
2: internship program, and we have folks come back with us, and what are some of the things that you're kind of experiencing or learning to do with Myra? Oh
3: man, Uh, so I actually just got done taking a week-long class at Fuller in the heart of Los Angeles in downtown, an immersion trip, learning all about uh, racial injustice, the systems that we have in place that keep people oppressed, Uh, I got to walk around Skid Row, just my eyes being open to the brokenness in our city, Uh, and that's just a little taste of the broader things that are going on. Okay, so tell us about WOW Jam and how we can be involved. So Wow Jam is basically a giant gathering on the steps of City Hall, uh, and it's an amazing opportunity that we have as a church to break down those very systems I just mentioned, uh, racial division, uh, gender division, socioeconomic division. Uh, We have an awesome opportunity to just serve our city and love others and share the name of Jesus Christ. And there's there's three ways that we need help, that I need help uh, to make this possible. Uh, One is prayer we're breaking down some spiritual walls that, that go beyond uh, what we can see, and we can only defeat those by going to Jesus in prayer. Uh, two, financially, if you wanna buy a box of groceries for a family, if you wanna buy a prize for a kid to be raffled away, or if you just wanna make a donation, we need that. Uh, and lastly, if you wanna actually be hands-on and serve at WOW Gym, we have sign-ups uh, in, the, in the quad, outside, I'll be there. Uh, we would love to have you, if you wanna hold babies, we have an option for that. If you wanna pass out snow cones or hot dogs, we have that. If you're a doctor, you know how to pull teeth, we have that, just kidding, we don't have that. But (laughs) if you you know how to repair bikes or give haircuts, we need all the help that we can get and we would love to have you, I would love to have you uh, come help us out.
2: We're always looking for tangible ways for our church to be involved in loving our city. And when we provide you this opportunity, we hope that you'll come out in droves to participate and to volunteer with us. There's training so that you don't have to feel like you don't know what you're doing. Uh, we'll make it easy for you. This is a cooperation between community outreach and missional outreach so that all of us can be part- uh, participating in our city. Well, we want we want you to know what's going on in the life of our congregation. So make sure you take a look through the worship folder where you're, you will find a wow Jam insert. And also, we want you to know about our all-church family summer nights that are going on really soon. Keep uh, your eye open for that. You're all welcome to attend. We hope you come with us.
3: And just a quick note about the Wow Jam insert. Uh, It says Sunday, August 20th. It's actually Saturday, August 20th. So if that frees you up, even more incentive. (laughs) Well, let me invite the ushers to come forward, and Jensen, will you pray for our offering? Absolutely heavenly father we thank you for this wonderful gift that we have today to come at your feet and worship your holy name god thank you for allowing us to gather in a place where we don't have to worry about oppression we don't have to worry about bombs falling on our on our building god um, we are just so grateful for this immense privilege we pray in this moment now, God, that you would teach us to be generous, uh, whether that's financially generous or whether that is generous with our gifts and our talents or our resources, God. Uh, we pray that you humble us and bring us to our knees in awe of your glory and that we, are, we, we learn how to be generous and how to give and how to be uh, fruitful in our giving, God. We pray that you bless this offering in your holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: God above, all the world in motion. God above, all my hopes and fears. I don't care what the world throws at me now. I'm gonna be alright. Okay. Hear the. We're going to be alright. Yes, I know my God saved the day. And I know this word never fails. And I know my God made a way for me. Salvation. is Cause, Cause you are...
4: That was, a, um, that was a really fun song with some really uh, important lyrics. And, and if I'm gonna be honest with you, um, they weren't necessarily true for me this week. I, I didn't feel like necessarily that we were gonna be all right. I didn't feel necessarily that I wasn't caring what the world was throwing at us. I wanted to believe that God was gonna save the day, but there have been some moments in the last 10 days where truthfully I've wondered if I could do anything else to generate income. I called my youth pastor this week and I said, what was it like to be a pastor when the hardest thing going on in the world was the rock and roll album that came out with really, really kind of tricky lyrics? And you had to make a stand against rock and roll or rap. We are alive and living in a time where pain is very real where there's fear and anger and criticism and harshness and hopelessness. And uh, just because some of us work in a role of pastoring doesn't mean we don't feel those things very deeply. And there are times where I feel very inadequate uh, to lead. But we come here and we, we sing together We pray together. Thank you, Jeff, for your prayer. And we reorient, we remind ourselves that God will save the day, and that God has saved the day, and that our role isn't to be equipped, our role is to be faithful. And as we become a faithful church, And as we become faithful individuals following Jesus, we find ourselves blown away by the faithfulness of God. I believe that God has a message for us this morning. And by the way, that message is for me too. And so I'll invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter seven some very, very familiar verses to those of us who have been around church a long time. I'm gonna ask you to resist the temptation I've had all week to put it right into the children's song that we grew up learning um, and to let the word of God be powerful in this moment because we need the word of God to be powerful in this moment. Verse 24, Jesus speaking. Therefore... is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of God. You may have a seat. There's some context. These are the final words. In Jesus' longest recorded sermon in all of the scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. This is the conclusion of a sermon. This is the last minute. This is right before the song we sing, before we go out. Uh, Matthew five, six, and seven—all one long teaching. Two weeks ago, when we started this series, Pastor Greg led us through the one of the, fir- the first story told in that sermon about uh, us being salt and light. If you're familiar with the teaching, it starts with the beatitudes, goes right into salt and light, and then throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching about a variety of things, lots of things that seem at times disconnected. But when you really look at it, it's one of the most incredibly connected pieces of teaching in the world. And what we have just read is it, it's the final words. But Jesus was a bit long-winded, it was a long conclusion. He concludes with four different comparisons, and this final comparison, this is four of four. To refresh your memory, or if you're new to the scriptures, the first comparison in verses 13 and 14 is about the two different ways, speaking of the, the gate, the wide gate, and the narrow gate of discipleship. The next comparison is about fruit, the, the trees, some trees that bear fruit and trees that don't, speaking about how we discern if someone is a great teacher or a preacher or somebody that we should be listening to. We don't just listen to their words, we look for fruit in their lives. And so we have the two ways, we have the two trees, and then right before what we have just read, the two claims, where Jesus says there's going to be some people who come to me, and they're going to claim they know me, and, and I'm not going to claim that I know them, that there's a difference between saying you're connected to me and actually being connected to me. And then final comparison in the long sermon is about the two builders, so we have the the two ways, the two trees, the two claims, and then he wraps it up with the two builders. And I have a few observations about these two builders that um, I, I know we know this story, and it feels very simple, uh, but let, let's try together to see some observations. First, he's comparing two different builders, and he, let's talk about their differences. On one side, we find that there is the, the wise person. The wise man who is building his home on a rock foundation. And that rock foundation is based on that person's ability to hear the words of Jesus and to actually live them, to put them into practice. So the person who doesn't merely just listen to Jesus but applies the teachings of Jesus into their life is like a wise person who's building a house on a rock foundation. And then on the other side, We have the foolish person. And by the way, you're not the foolish people because I'm on this side. (laughs) They are. Okay. Um, We have the foolish person. The foolish person is someone who just listens to Jesus. Someone who hears Jesus but doesn't do anything with what he says. And that person is foolish. And they're the person who's building their home on the sand. Jesus is using language of homes and building this image of a foundation. The interesting thing about a foundation, right, is from the outside, these two houses probably look the same. When an appraiser would drive by these two homes without going into the home, they probably have very similar value. There's nothing in the image about the exterior of the home looking poorly. It's about what's going on below the home, the foundation, the exterior might be looking secure all altogether, but Jesus is going deeper, and he's saying, what is going on underneath? And what's going on underneath, the difference between these two homes is one simply is just a good listener. And over here is someone who listens and changes their life and lives what they're learning. What we do with the words and the teachings of Jesus determines what is going on below the surface in our lives. From the outside, you all look great this morning. And I had a mirror, I think it's working okay today, my hair. From the outside, it all looks good, it all looks put together. But Jesus is saying there's two kinds of people, there's two builders, and on the outside it's all all look the same, but what's going on below the surface and the difference between the two builders is obedience. The difference between the wise person and the foolish person is the ability to obey Jesus. There is a huge difference between knowledge and Obedience. Jesus is saying that intellectual commitment to me and my teachings is not enough. It is not enough just to know things. Knowledge is not enough. It's about how we live with what we know. Knowledge is important. It's the very thing we, we build an act, a life of action on it. I mean, this goes to, we, we know this to be true in all areas of life, right? I, I'll tell you, I know a whole bunch of information about what it is to live a healthy life. I, I do. I could tell you all day what, what, what calories I should shoot for in a day. I, should, I can tell you how many times a week I should be exercising. And we can all, a lot of us aren't uh, not in shape because we don't have the information, We might know everything about health, fitness, food, diet, exercise, and it's not enough to just know. The person who knows a whole bunch about fitness but doesn't do anything with it is a fool. It's the person who knows and lives differently. This is true in all areas of life. I've been in this career long enough, and think back to people who who at one point we were pastoring different churches together in different roles, or we were in seminary class together, and I'll admit to you, there are a whole lot of people even at this church and on the staff who have more intellectual capacity about the scriptures than I do. They know the teachings of Jesus. I remember sitting in class at APU and Bible classes or at Fuller and being blown away by the intellectual commitment and understanding that people had about the Bible who are now doing nothing. Another week, if you follow the, the news in the Christian world, another week where a megachurch pastor has a moral failing. Jesus teaches that the difference between the two builders is one is just a really okay listener and could be smart all day long. The other person is the one who takes the teachings of Jesus and lives a life of action. And at times I wonder, church, if we can be guilty of being really good listeners and think that obedience means listening. Friends, we gather here, and this is an important step of obedience to worship and to be together, but the way we know true obedience and true discipleship is what happens when you and I leave this place, not just did we enjoy the message this morning. My prayer for us as a church this week, and myself as an individual, is Lord, save us from being just good listeners. Help us to be the kind of community and people that are not just listening, but putting into real life action your teachings. Save us, God, from the tendency to just build our minds and not use our hands. So, those are the differences of the two builders. There's also some commonalities between the two builders. There are things that these builders have in common. And the first one is this. They both have heard Jesus. Now, I, I, I think often, we've been around this story so much that I think a really cheap and easy way of understanding what Jesus is saying here is to believe somehow that those who are Christians, those who are good church attenders, those who, who are around Jesus, somehow that means that your house is on the rock and that it's the people outside of Christianity, it's the people outside of the church, and they're the foolish people building their house on the sand. That's not the way this story is written. Both builders, the wise person and the foolish person, have heard Jesus. This is an image for those of us gathered today. This isn't a story where we get really excited that our foundation's on the rock and everybody else out there is is building their house on the sand. No, it should cut us a little bit to go in this moment, in this day, right now, this second, am I building my house on the rock or the sand? I think the scariest thing in this image is Jesus is saying that you can be so close to Jesus, close enough to hear his voice, and you still can be foolish and be building your house on the sand. Friends, you can be so close to Jesus that you can hear his voice, and it doesn't mean obedience. I was trying to think of an illustration Of of how this could be true. How could it be that someone could be so close to Jesus, connected to him, know his teaching, and yet be far away from him. But we know that story. That's all of us. It's all of us in moments that we know what God has called us to do and how to live and what to do. And when we don't put his words into practice, we become the fool. So both of these builders have heard Jesus. Also, both of these builders have something in common. Both of them and the homes they were building. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat. Both builders endured the elements. The elements of life, the storms of life, the streams of life, the winds of life don't just come to people who are building their home on the sand they come to both builders obedience doesn't mean that somehow we are shielded from the difficulty of life obedience doesn't mean easy or pain free or stress free but we really want it to mean that because doesn't that seem like that's how the story should go It seems like that if we are obedient and we are faithful and we follow Jesus, that it would just make sense in our human brain that somehow we get rewarded for that obedience in this life and less pain will come into our life, less stress, less harsh realities of the world. Friends, the elements come to those who are obedient and they come to those who are disobedient. It doesn't make sense to us though, right? There's a family here, one of the closest families to Jenny and I, in this church. And I'll tell you, the last couple years in their life, I just, I honestly don't get it. Car accidents, surgery after surgery after surgery, unexpected death and loss, difficulty, One thing after another, after another, and I'll be honest with you, there have been so many moments in the last couple years where I have cried out to God, Jenny and I have cried out to God, and said, enough! Stop this! Because they are so faithful. They are so obedient. Talk about fruit. I mean, it's pouring off of their lives, fruit. And in my human brain, because they are faithful, because they are obedient, because they are producing fruit, I want to believe that somehow it should not be. Now there's a promise here. We're going to get to the promise in a moment in this story. But the promise is not ease. The promise isn't that somehow if you put the words of Jesus into your life, it's all going to work out for you, even though we want it to. This is a very easy point to understand as an individual person. The idea that pain and and storms and streams, those are going to come to me as an individual because I, I know my life and I know your life, and those are everywhere. My question for us is a little bit bigger. How might this apply to us as an entire community, as a church? In our ministry council, when we get together for our meetings, uh, every now and then we have on the agenda this thing called the Good News Report, where someone on staff or someone on the council shares positive, wonderful stories about how God is moving in our church, and those are to be seen and to celebrate and to rejoice But I wonder if it's a subtle narrative for us that somehow if we are obedient as a church, we should just keep our eyes open for all the good things that will happen. And I think what we see in this scripture is that we cannot equate obedience with everything's gonna work out. That there are gonna be times where obedience has streams, has winds, has rivers, has storms, that obedience... It means this, Lake Avenue, that is as we as Lake Avenue Church strive to be obedient to the living God, watch out. Some storms are gonna come. And our obedience isn't going to always be measured by 530 kids that come to VBS. That our obedience might come in our ability to be in a really difficult place with people, and to be in a difficult place as a church to enter into the difficulty, to enter into the pain, not run away from it. Friends, if we are going to remain a church that is obedient to the teachings of Jesus, be ready for the storms. And here's the humbling thing. The storms are already here. The storms are all around us, and they're not just things that are happening out in the world. They're things that are happening right inside here as a church and inside our hearts. The storms are here, and they have been here. My, my son, who was feeling it this morning by moving up there and singing, he turns eight years old today. Today is his birthday. And I'll tell you one of the most humbling things to be reminded that there are storms is given everything that is going on in this world and trying to raise a son who is intelligent, who can understand history and context, if you haven't done it in a while, just try to think about this task. How would you teach an eight-year-old boy about the history of African Americans in the United States? Friends, the storms are here. There is nothing about last week that started anything. The storms of injustice and racial tension go back to the very beginning. It, and, and it wasn't when we get to the point in the story of civil rights. I can't start there with him and go, oh, "It was just about a water fountain." There's other there's there's context in history, friends. The storms are here. And our goal is to be a faithful congregation, not to ignore them, but to engage them and to build our response, our lives, our reaction on the teachings of Jesus Christ. So the storms they have in common, they both have been around Jesus. It's not all uh, uh, horrific because there is an amazing promise in this story, the promise of obedience isn't avoidance. The promise of obedience is endurance and witness. So there is no promise that the, the storms are going to come only to the one builder and everybody else is shielded from it. No, the promise is that it says uh, the foolish person builds their house on the sand. They, they are the people who only hear the words of Jesus. And when the storms come, their house crashes. It says with a great crash. The other side, the wise person builds their home on the, on, on, on the rock foundation because they aren't just listening to Jesus, they're living the words of Jesus, and when the storm comes to them, their house stands. The promise of Jesus Christ is that when we are obedient, that we get to be a, a, a story of endurance and witness, uh, early early on many years ago after the Katrina uh, hurricane we took high school kids down there and it was amazing because you would see in these these places all the houses that were destroyed but every now and then there would be a house that made it it stood out it told a different story it said the storm didn't get this one because this house is still standing friends it's just like that in our lives the promise of Jesus Christ is that we are if we are obedient, if we live a life of obedience, we will be able to endure the storms and we will be able to survive those storms and we will give witness to the one who is our foundation. Amen. I want to just break it to you, break it to myself that without being obedient to Jesus, you and your life will crash with a great fall. And without being obedient to Jesus, Lake Avenue Church will crash with a great fall. Our lives will fall apart without obedience. And the life of a church will fall apart without obedience. What predicates all of this is when Jesus says, these words of mine... The person who hears these words of mine. Now, quite specifically, these words that he is speaking of were the entire Sermon on the Mount. Now, we have enough scripture and we can build a biblical case that we can expand these words of mine to all of the scriptures or all of the teachings of Jesus, but quite literally, when Jesus is teaching in this moment at the Sermon on the Mount, these words of mine refer to everything that he has said prior in chapter 5, 6, and 7. And so this week, I thought, you know, this can be a very general sermon, a general sermon about obedience. Let's be obedient, and, and let's build our house on the rock. How might we apply these words as a church and as individuals in a very clear way? So you got to go back to 5, 6, and 7, and reading them, I'm like, Lord, speak to me. What's one thing? What, what, what can we do to illustrate what it might look like to build our house on the rock? So we're going to go right to verse 1 through 5. In chapter 7, when Jesus says this, teaching, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, uh, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. Again, familiar teaching to those of us who have been there. This image that Jesus is using surely would have waken up his audience. It's an image that that has some humor laid into it. It's an image of ridiculousness about a, a log, a tree, a telephone pole coming out of somebody's eye while there's the smallest piece of dust or wood or sawdust in someone else's eye. What is Jesus saying here about judgment? Because the tendency can be sometimes, is, is he saying we're supposed to live very bland lives where we're not supposed to speak up when we see something that is wrong? Does it mean that we, we, we just kind of live these kind of safe, quiet lives because we don't want to get into a place of judgment? No. No, this, there's a very specific application to this word judgment. This says nothing about justice. This says nothing about discernment. In fact, you can read through just a few verses later, he's going to tell us to be discerning. That when you hear people teach, look for fruit in their lives. So we are still supposed to use our brains. We are supposed to be engaged. We are supposed to be astute. We are supposed to observe. We are supposed to find places where life isn't lived the way God has called it to live, and we are to speak up. We are to do that. So what exactly judgment is he talking about? Because we have a call on our lives to go for justice, to act for justice. We have a call on our lives to be discerning. He's talking quite personally here about the tendency that you and I have as human beings to live an arrogant life. This is a personal call. To say the, the, the human experience is so enthralled with judging other people, their motives, their motivations, their intellect, their ability. And you all just need to calm down a little bit. And doing that, by the way, is really hard to do accurately. It's a call because Jesus knows this. Obedience to God can lead to arrogance with one another. Obedience to God can lead to arrogance with one another. In fact, there's this theme in all of the Sermon on the Mount. If you're familiar, there's these three acts of Jewish piety, um, giving and fasting and pray. And if you're familiar, this, this idea where Jesus said, hey, when you pray, don't go on the corners where everybody can see you. I want you to go to a closet quietly. When you give, don't bring attention to yourself for giving. Don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. When you fast, don't be the person who says, hey, by the way, I'm fasting right now. Do it quietly so that nobody even knows you're doing it because Jesus knows this, the spiritual life, a life of obedience, there is going to be this tendency in us to want to be better than one another. And when we are in the process of obedience, it is so easy to be to judgmental to someone else. So what's Jesus telling us in this teaching? What would it mean for us to build our house on the rock? It means this. I think Jesus is calling for a little self-reflection. Not a popular phrase in churches right now because we, we go right to self-help and a self-centered life, and yet I don't see how you get away from this when he says, uh, examine yourself, look at your own life so that you can see who you are. See yourself clearly. Pay attention to yourself. A life of building your house on the rock is a life of self-reflection and not just self-reflection. Jesus calls for self-surgery when he says, when you think you see it, clear it out. I think that's the, the limitation of, of, of a self-help mentality, that somehow because of who we are, that that's the end of the story. It'd be very easy for me to point to a painful time in my life and say, oh, because, because I didn't get to finish my football career and I had surgery, I'm just kind of an angry person and I live in the conclusion of that moment. No, we're, we're called to go deeper. To reflect on who we are, our motivations, how we live. And when we see something, we actively start looking to remove it. Praying to God, going to therapy, being in community that can help us remove the hindrance. So I think in this scripture, we have this uh, call to self-reflection, this call to self-surgery. But here, notice this. There's still something wrong with the other person. There's still something in their eye. The only difference is we come humbly to that conversation. We come humbly to that person. We're self-aware, we know that we bring a whole bunch into it. We remove what is hindering us so that when we go to the other person and we look to help them, we come with humility. Some of you are familiar with a, uh, a, 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 if you've got a boss like this, I'm so sorry. If you have a boss that kind of lives in this kind of way or someone in your family where where if you boil down how it works, the reality is this person says, hey, I'm okay, everybody else is not okay. That every time you talk to this person, it's about somebody else's who's done something wrong, but never any self-reflection about where they struggle or where they might be wrong. So if we're going to live these words, this is is how it works. It doesn't mean that there aren't specks out there. It doesn't mean that there aren't people in need that we need to bring truth to. It has everything to do with how we come to that person. So when we see a problem out there or a problem in someone, before we go to that, we pause and we be reminded of who we are as human beings We remember that, hey, the problem's not just with that person or out there. The problem is with me. Okay, now I can see clearly to walk towards that person. Friends, I think in the last uh, 10 days, I've stopped being on Facebook. I've I've had a hard time knowing how to engage in conversation because it feels like the conversation is that person's a problem, this thing's a problem, and the problem's all out there. What we haven't done a good enough job as a church to say, hey, guess where else the problem is? It's right here. The problems that exist in this world don't live outside of the problems that live inside, that live inside my heart and my mind, that I am just as much of a problem as someone else. Here's the interesting thing about arrogance. Arrogance. You can be totally right when you're arrogant. You just won't be heard. It doesn't mean anything when you're arrogant. When you come to a person or a situation and come with arrogance, you can be totally correct. But it's for nothing. It doesn't count for anything. We have these goggles that the boys have. There's these these bug goggles where you put them on and, and they reduce your vision to very small circles, uh, and, and it's supposed to simulate the vision of a bug. I'd love to tell you the kids were up when I put them on the other night, but it was just me. I thought it would be interesting to walk around my house. Jenny was watching something on television, probably a worship concert. Um, and I put these things on and I was gonna to try to surprise her and I didn't even get out of the kitchen and my elbow had, had, had pushed over a glass. Not a glass glass, so it was a cup. And it fell to the ground and she looked backwards because I had put these goggles on for just a moment and I was unable to see what I normally saw. Friends, I think the reality is that when we are judgmental people, it's like putting goggles like that on. Where our vision is so small, it is so narrow. And when our vision is small, When we have planks coming out of our eyes, when we have goggles on that restrict our view of the fullness, we live in such small stories. We live in such small stories because they're kind of based on us, our own personal story. We live in comfortable stories. When we have planks coming out of our eyes and goggles on our eyes, we have selective listening. We are such good listeners until we don't want to listen. We are such good listeners until we hear something that, "Mm, I don't know, and then we move to a place of arrogance. When we have planks coming out of our eyes, we actually only listen, and yet the call of Jesus is to not be the people who only listen, but to listen and live lives of obedience. I believe this with all my heart this morning. Jesus Christ is saying something to us at Lake Avenue Church. Listen to these words of mine. Listen to them, but don't just hear them. Do them, live them. Have some moments of self reflection of where you're not living them. Begin the hard process of self-surgery to remove what you don't see. Don't be an arrogant community. Don't be an arrogant individual. Be okay that you don't know everything. I'm right, the, the leader of that movement. Lake Avenue Church, let's live the words of Jesus. There is no more important time in my life that I've sensed than right now to really, 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 really be about Jesus. We have no time for just listening. I got a four year old and an eight year old we're trying to raise up in this world. I will selfishly ask you to be serious about listening and living the words of Jesus. We have to. Where do we start? I think we started last week. I was so proud of this church. Went to City Hall, and and I I know pastors exaggerate. By the way, there's 5,000 of you here right now. Um, I'm going to tell all my friends that. Um, But I really do think 40, 50% of the people who came out last week to City Hall were, were this church. You could not walk around and feel like we were here. I was so proud I was really proud of us last week as a church, as the horrific things that were going on in this world. The way the way my boss just said, "We got to got to change some things." I'm going to. I love that. I love the responsiveness of this church to tragedy. But here's the truth, friends: just because we changed the sermon last week, and just because 40 to 50 percent of us came to City Hall, doesn't mean we're done. And that it's only going to be more and more contentious. There's going to be more and more opportunity to be serious and to live for Jesus. And the church, the leadership of this church is fasting, praying, thinking, talking, asking the Lord to reveal what it would mean for us to keep the conversations going. We were encouraged last week by pastor to really be in relationship with one another, to be in relationship with people who are different than you. And and we've got to create environments for that to happen for you. Because that's hard if we're honest. So we are not done. But before we get an agenda out there and some programs out there to say, here's, here's, here's what's wrong and here's how we're gonna solve it, I believe this this morning. God is saying, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Do some self-reflection. So we're gonna we're gonna close our service with that. You guys can come up the, the band. We don't, we're not going to end with a, a happy song. We're going to end with a song of confession, a song that was written and designed to do what we are encouraged to do in the Sermon on the Mount, to declare to God all the ways that we have not been obedient, to declare to God all the ways in which we have not lived up to the calling he has called us to, and I believe this with all my heart, that in humility, that in self-reflection and self-surgery, that God is going to continue to use us mightily. But if we are arrogant, save us from only listening, Lord. Lead us band.
0: From the fear of having
2: Brothers and sisters, the Lord supplies all of our needs. Do you have need this morning of having a log removed from your eyes? We're going to invite our prayer counselors and our pastoral staff to come up to my left, your right. And if that's you this morning, come forward. If this is the morning where you've decided that you're not living the way that you should be living... Come forward and pray with us. If you have any need, come and make your requests known to God. And if you're ready to join the ministries and the communities of this church, to my right, your left under this banner. Some folks are here to connect you to the things that are going on in the life of our church family so that we can declare that this God is a God who supplies all our needs. And for all of us to go out into the world prepared to face pain and brokenness, and to bring a message of hope and healing. Would you stand and receive this word? This word is reserved for those who are found faithful by God. From the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, they will be his people,